Welcome to Accelerate Your Wealth, a podcast by Rebecca Robertson, founder and director of Evolution Financial Planning. This series, we're focusing on female financial independence, looking towards a stronger financial future. Be sure to let us know your thoughts on the show and please do connect with us on Facebook, LinkedIn or Instagram or head over to www.rebeccarobertson.co.uk. Hey, welcome to today's show. We're going to be talking to the lovely Lucy Makara. I'm hopefully I've said that correctly. Um, And we're going to be talking about the 10 archetypes women need to know to achieve their goals. So let me tell you a little bit about Lucy. So Lucy is a founder of Rethink Press, which is a premier hybrid publishing of business books, a founder of the Business Book Awards and host of ABU, a book of one's own online support mentoring group for women, authors and aspiring authors. She is the UK's most experienced business book mentor and has mentored over a thousand entrepreneurs, experts and business owners to write and publish their books. Lucy is the author of 13 books, three novels, four self-help books and six books on writing, including a a book of one's own and manifesto for women to share their experience and make a difference, a book builder with Joe Gregory. Um, She's a speaker, a mentor and a postgraduate diploma in teaching creative writing and literacy. And she's going to be talking to us today about archetypes women need to achieve their goals. So I hope you enjoy it. Let me know what you think about the show. Um, do leave us a review or um, do um, come and let me know via email or one of my social media sites, LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, Facebook, wherever you're at. Come and let me know what you think about the show. And I'd love to hear from you and take care of a wonderful day. So welcome, Lucy. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for inviting me. It's great to be here. I look all hot and sweaty although this was my office and you look so beautiful and poised and you know (laughs) your hair and your makeup and I'm just yeah I feel like anyway so uh, thank you for looking uh, so so lovely for me today (laughs) and so uh, well presented in comparison to my I have had a shower after the gym I did say like I went had a gym session today but just just to clarify I I actually have had a shower since been in the gym it's just I look hot and sweaty today um, so I'm really thank you well, thank you um I'm really excited to talk to you about this subject because I feel like you've got a real wealth of knowledge around this to share and I'm really looking forward to hearing your perspective of it because I've I've, I've worked in obviously the female market for 10 years now and I've been on lots of programs and courses and um, so I'm super excited to hear your version of it and how you how you see things so we're going to be talking about achieving goals um and I'll probably get into that I'd like to know why do you think goals are important we see this at like sometimes on Instagram and you see these little clips of people saying why goals are important and I think it's it's such a, a basic question that we sometimes overlook um but what why do you think goals are important for anybody in the first place I think goals are important because if you don't have them, then you you kind of aren't moving towards anything. You might be moving, but you're not necessarily moving in a 
concerted direction. You're not kind of aiming for what you have decided that you want. And I think that's really important. Um, I mean, what I spend a lot of my time doing is mentoring people, especially women, to write and publish their business book, the book that mm. builds their business. And I think that I, I found a lot of a lot of people think, for instance, that writing a book is a, a sort of big amorphous project filled with all these strange things like uh, research and writing and editing and proofing and 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 they sort of feel that it's you know this this great big project and they don't realize that actually it can be broken down into steps and mm. that it, so it, each step is a goal. Mm. each step that takes them through the planning process or parts of the writing process um, is a goal with timelines and specific activities and that takes them through it and then they don't get lost and people don't kind of drop out of it because it all seems too much so I think having goals I think it's important to have smaller goals but also a big goal at the end like finishing writing your book or publishing your book or whatever is really yeah. important and, and holding in mind um, the big Big goal at the end you know what is going to happen when you've published your book what are the outcomes you're looking for and why crucial. you're doing it yeah because I think a lot of people just focus on the ticking the box right I'm going to like me I'm gonna have a personal trainer but you know it was moments where it was really hard <laughs> you know like writing a book I've done that it's it, it was it's really hard there's moments where I was sweating and I was thinking oh my goodness this is this do I want to be doing this this feels that this feels like not fun um, and I'm just not one for like that kind of exercise a horse ride but you know literally sweating on a, a dirty floor is not my idea of fun and it, you have to really understand what your motivation is what you're trying to achieve and I think in your example of you know for me it was a it's, a, it's about um, being able to wear some shorts in the summer and not feel really self-conscious about my legs and um, be able to ride my horse in a really um, using more of my core muscles and so I'm more secure and I'm safer as well because he can be a little bit of a twat sometimes um, and for people that are writing a book, I think it's sometimes we all well, I just want to write a book. I want to be a published author. Um, but if it's, a, if it's a business book, you really have to be much clearer on what the objective and what it is you're trying to achieve. And I've, I wrote two books effectively, but actually my second one was a rewrite of my first one. And I learned a lot of lessons <laughs> with the first one. And there were so many things that I wasn't really clear on when it came to my goals. So, yeah, I do think you're right having that that clear picture of what you want to achieve and taking a step back but it, it, it's it's sometimes not always clear though is it right because no, like, I made those right. mistakes and then when I redid it I was much clearer and that, I think only sometimes experience can can give you that outlook and that that perspective on things yeah that's right sometimes you almost head towards the wrong goal and then you suddenly realize it's the wrong goal and you can shift your your focus and uh, realign towards the right goal but if you've got no goal at all you're probably that's probably not even going to happen yeah I mean what do you think about just out of interest there's I, I'll just describe it as woo-woo but I, I think it's that sometimes can be a little bit unfair that description um because it makes um they're sort of I don't know a little bit of a like it's make-believe land <laughs> um but for a lot of people and I know I've experienced some things myself actually it does feel really real it's not it's 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 real life stuff it's, you know, it's more about the spirituality side of things and they would sort of some might say that are um, more on the spiritual side that goals can sort of sometimes feel a little bit heavy and actually universally we we want to ask 
ask you know the universe as they would describe it that um you know i'm looking for something particular and i will wait for that to, to come and be delivered so i suppose there's a somewhat of a goal in there because there's a want or a need or desire but they wouldn't necessarily knuckle down and say okay well i'm gonna get up at five o'clock to, tomorrow morning and i'm gonna and i'm gonna work out again to achieve my objective they you know i'm not saying you can't magically let the universe in my example lose weight that's probably not a very good example um but you know do you know what i'm trying to say like, i have to say that one hasn't worked for me <laughs> no i'd like it to and if you ever figure that one out please let me know um but you know from you know sometimes things just take that knuckling down and being really focused but but for, for some there are you know i don't know let's just say cash flow in your business and you've got three or four people that owe you money and haven't paid you yet and you would like them to and you just sort of put it out to the universe that they're going to pay me that money and you know it's funny how this serendipitous thing happens where things just fall into place and everything's fine and I, I that that has happened to me on more than one occasion yeah um, absolutely so what from a spiritual side what do you think about goals um, I, I think you have to hold them lightly. Um, I think if you have a really fixed goal, like I'm going to be earning 120,000 a year in two years time or something like that, then you're very constrained by that kind of goal. And it's not necessarily, you know, finding the way towards that is not going to be your best, um, your best way forward necessarily. It's mm. not going to take you on the best journey. I mean, an example I had was about um, 12 years ago, I had been a work-life balance consultant. So I'd done a lot of work with corporates. Um, and that was, you know, that that was kind of where I was at. Um, but I had a vision of me um, teaching mentoring coaching whatever writing to business people and that was that was what I really wanted to do I didn't particularly want to stay with the work-life balance stuff writing and, and and has always been my thing but I saw it the the goal I sort of had in my head was me going into corporates and um, teaching people to write better to express themselves better on paper um, what actually happened was something completely different. I went actually went back into publishing and I ended up mentoring entrepreneurs to write their books. So a few years later, I was exactly teaching business people to write but it was completely different than the goal, than the vision I had of that particular goal, mm. um, which was, you know, sort of corporate and corporate business writing. And actually I was in an, it was, it was much nicer what I actually got from having that idea, which was, was, was being able to mentor individual entrepreneurs to write something that I really love, um, an actual book, as opposed to, you know, mm. just writing brochures or whatever, uh, I see. Yeah, <laughs> writing no, I better emails. So, so and, and yeah. That's about passion and purpose right yes it's, it's, filling, it's filling you up it's giving you more um you're sort of seeing the results that much more you're seeing the transformation and so then really that that goal is a bit more of a vision so yes. it depends on how you interpret the language right because exactly I think for some people goal can be like a monetary figure of some like on a spreadsheet um but it doesn't always have to be it could be something that's a, a light goal vision that actually then can come to you once you put it out there and you start putting some of the things in place you start asking for more help you start putting it out there that you're looking for something in particular because you have this vision because you have this goal in mind then it can start to come together that much better yeah and I think when you have that sort of big goal but you're not absolutely wedded it wedded to it being um to it happening in a particular kind of way then also what happens is your um 
it's your reticular activating system in your brain, the thing that goes out and recognizes thing that filters um, all the information coming into you, looks for all the things that kind of might be helpful to you. And it's, it's all very subconscious, but it, you know, mm. it, it recognizes, um, I don't know, kind of events or people or information that's mm. going to help you achieve that goal. But it's much more broad, sort of wide ranging and less specific than mm. you are when you think consciously about your goal. So if yeah. you kind of let your um, let your subconscious go to work on things, it will often bring you better things than you'd envisaged in the first mm-hmm. place. Yeah, and I, I, I would agree with that. And I also find that when then when you're too busy and you are in literally what I call hamster mode on that sort of spinning wheel, and I've been there multiple times, it, it, the less serendipitous things are, the less my subconscious is working, the less things come together for me, it all does feel that little bit more for. So yeah, I totally agree with you. So let's talk about these 10 archetypes that women need to achieve some of those goals. Um, and where did you come up with them? Okay, well, um, it started with the first business book awards that we held, which was five years ago. Um, And we, um, it was a bit of a kind of punt putting, uh, starting the business book awards, because I wasn't sure if, if authors or publishers or anybody else in the business publishing world would come on board with them, but luckily they did. But the first year we got 150 entries and we had a judging panel of 10 men and 10 women. And I thought it was all very kind of balanced and egalitarian. Um, what long story short what happened when we got to the individual awards at the end of the judging process is we had 11 fantastic books wonderful authors great winners and every single one was a white man so (laughs) I couldn't change that that was what the judges had come up with in the individual categories in the overall business book of the year so I thought well I I, and I certainly didn't want to undermine the 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 winners who were you know they were great books but that wasn't Mm. what I had envisaged would happen so the second year I sort of I, I said I'm really looking to um, I went on a mission basically to encourage more women to write and publish their business books and submit them to the business book awards because I discovered we'd only had half as many entries from women authors as from men and that was certainly part of the problem as well as let's face it some um, unconscious bias Mm. Um, so um, so I I I started um, uh, the my my group for women authors and I also wrote a book called a book of one's own and I interviewed 50 women authors for it and asked them all what if if anything had held them back from writing their books what did they found difficult and they came up with a whole load of things but out of those I kind of distilled kind of 10 archetypes and they're not archetypes where you go oh that's I'm that kind of person or I'm that kind they they were sort of more like visitors who come particularly and I'm not saying they only come to women but they but they particularly come to women when they're involved in a big project so when you're trying to achieve a goal um Mm -hmm. and like writing and publishing your book they they come and some of them are very positive and some of them are rather undermining so the the first three were the ones who kind of make you question yourself so the first um, archetype who comes to you I think often as a woman I called the imposter and the imposter well obviously it's sort of based on imposter syndrome but you just feel I'm not good enough who am I to do this Um, and and you're always uh, you know you're kind of trying to play it cool and be the expert and the author and yet underneath you're always feeling 
I'm a fraud. I'm going to be called out as a fraud. If I write my book, if I put myself out there, I'm going to be seen as a fraud. I can definitely resonate with that. Yeah, yeah definitely. And, that, and part of the reason why I rewrote my book, so I wrote it the first time, they both times self-published, both with different publishers, um, was because... Um, I, I felt like the first book was was okay but I just felt like I'd moved and evolved so much that I wanted to then rewrite the second one but even in both both processes I really felt uncomfortable even though I knew my stuff I knew what I was talking about um, and I almost put too much into some I think sometimes into the, for example my second book because I just wanted to almost sort of drive home the point that I know what I'm talking about. Yes, yes. And actually, funnily enough, that's what women do. And a lot of women who, uh, you know, whose books I kind of publish or, or whatever, they, um, while men often, I mean, this is a very broad generalization, but men will often sort of, you know, whiz through all their information. Um, you know, it's all their great thoughts. It's wonderful. And, and they don't particularly reference anybody else. Some women I know have, I mean, one woman I know who wrote a really excellent book, um, quite a long book, but she had 200 references in it just wow. to make sure that everybody knew she'd sourced all her stuff everything she knew was you know backed up by other people mm, and proper reports and yes yeah, statistics and yeah and all that and I think it's that fear of um of being called out and and so the second archetype I call the risk assessor because in fact women are more risk averse than men oh yeah the whole yes and and you would know that from from your world of, yes I've exactly. had a call with somebody this morning and she's a new investor she invested in just in November um and they had some inheritance money she's a business owner um and she's actually got quite a high risk profile because she's an entrepreneur but she's never invested right. before and the markets have been very turbulent so they're currently about five percent losses which you know in the current market you know after the market adjustments we've had and she was on the phone she's like I want to stop paying any money in I just I'm, I'm really worried and I talked it through with her and we, we, she's staying as she is and she's fine because I've had to explain risk and what's going to, I don't know what's going to happen. I haven't got a crystal ball, um, but actually how she's invested and the things that have happened and what's going on is actually not that bad in comparison to the bigger picture. Uh, and she's financially stable enough for her to carry on doing what she's doing. So actually it was just that moment of panic of yeah. the risk that's involved and putting this money in and it's depleting and investments are a long-term strategy where you're not just looking at this month or this year you're looking at the bigger picture so now is a good time to invest because actually the unit prices are cheaper than what they will be in six or eight months time yeah so yeah women are a lot of my clients are very risk adverse because they've just never done it before usually um, and become it's actually quite amazing I'm sure you find this with people that have wrote books that actually not me, I'm not saying I'm going to write a second one or third one, whichever you refer to it. Um, but actually, when they find that that's their thing and they're good at it, they become extreme experts. They come on yeah. extremely good at it. Yes, absolutely. But I think especially um, when you're writing your first one, you know, first you start to feel like an imposter and then you start to feel this is too risky. I can't do mm. that. And, and women are also much more afraid of criticism than men. And right. so the risk assessor is kind of that part of our brain, which is trying to protect us from mm. danger. And it's saying, oh, no, 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 don't do this. It's too risky. You're going to get criticized. You're going to get called out. People are going to, um, you know, make a fool of you, but basically, or say you're a fool for putting those uh, views out in your book so the risk assessor is another one that we have to and I think the reason I came up with these archetypes was that the was that 
if you're aware of them and you recognize them kind of coming to visit you is the is the way I put it, then you can then you can push back against them and you can say to the imposter, no, I'm not. I am an expert. I know what I'm talking about. Thanks for your um, your 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 worrying about me and trying to keep me safe or the risk assessor. You know, you're, this is too dangerous. Don't do it. Um, that's fine. Thanks for warning me. But I'm OK. It'll be fine. Mm. So so that's what I wanted to do with the archetypes and tell women that to expect this. This yeah. is what will happen when you start doing something that's a bit outside your comfort zone. Totally. Yeah, totally. It's like it's, it's unknown. Right. And it's only yeah. through experience, whether it's investing or writing a book or whatever. It <laughs> exactly. Might be. I mean, probably very similar in a way, because in a book yeah. you're investing in, you know, you are you're probably investing money in it and you're investing your time I... and you're investing your um, yourself in it and putting, yeah. you know, putting yourself out there a different kind quite... of asset right yes <laughs> <laughs> but but equally an asset that brings you terrific returns on your investment <laughs> definitely definitely um so what was the was this there was third there was so, yes yeah, so the third one is i caught i called it the twin because i feel we all have a kind of phantom male twin and we kind of we think you know oh God, if I was a bloke, they wouldn't treat me like that or they wouldn't have said that or whatever. So it's sort of it's sort of that kind of, you know, I can't do this because I'm a woman. It's too difficult because I'm a woman kind of mm. um, um, uh, archetype who will come along and say, you know, it's it's too hard think, for you. I think if it, was, if it was my daughter, she she's, you know, they're of a generation where I can't even imagine her thinking like that. No, no, no. That's probably it's, true. It's, yeah. Whereas some of my older clients um, who I I, I'd probably say you know they've maybe been married a long time they've got divorced and um, their partners have already always done everything for them they look you know they're great looking after the children in the house and now they're at a point where they're having to do finances on their own it feels really daunting daunting and they feel like like men are better at managing the money yeah. than yeah. women are and that's just because that's their paradigm that's their reality that's right um, so, yeah, I can I can see they could probably think the same thing about but whatever it could be about yes. anything. Right? But in fact, I mean, if you look at the statistics in in the publishing world, if you put out the same manuscript with a man's name on it and a woman's name on it, the manuscript with the man's male author's name will get much more interest than the same manuscript with a woman's name. Wow. I'm sure you know that in the world of um, funding and investment that um, mm. female founders are very, very um, much um, finding it much harder to raise funds for their businesses yeah. and in business generally of course you know we uh women don't get to the higher levels nearly as easily as men do no it's uh, a so, you know, still there's, happening unfortunately yeah unfortunately it is and I think actually yeah. it starts I think you know looking at younger women they're fine until they get to the stage of having children and yeah. then you know everything starts to suddenly you know you suddenly get that sort of different approach that people take as soon as you become a mother um people look at you differently think oh, about yeah, you totally. differently when I was pregnant and it's, I, it's really you, like you have to ask you yeah. almost have to hide the fact that you're having children yeah because you're, or if you're running a business and you've got children then you're sort of deemed as being I don't know like you know around the kitchen table like a hobby kind of business exactly um, you know yeah. people talk about baby brain and mm. you know um don't think you're committed to your job as much I mean I once knew a, a solicitor working for a really massive legal firm 
and she got to partner levels and she was in fact made a partner but she was working she was working part-time but she bought a flat she moved house bought a flat near the office so she could come back almost sort of secretly at night and do extra work that nobody noticed she was doing so nobody would could would you know say oh you're not doing enough because you're too um involved with your family wow. looking after your kids um, oh that's crazy really What's shocking <laughs> Yeah, I'm hoping as time goes on, I'm seeing some changes with that. Yeah. Um, um, and I'm, I hope that continues. And hopefully by the time, I, you know, my grandchildren, for example, won't have to experience anything. Like no, that. absolutely. No, quite, quite. But then I, then I did, <laughs> just to be a bit more depressing, I did come up with three more archetypes who are sort of more around the home. And the first one of those is called, I called the angel um, because Virginia Woolf came up with a, with a, um, a concept called the well actually it was an old Victorian poem about the angel of the house and it's this terribly patronizing sort of you know the angel of the house makes everything lovely and easy for me you know it's written by a man of course and and so it's that sort of it's kind of like the spirit of your your grandmother even possibly your mother but that, that comes to you and says shouldn't you be looking after other people shouldn't you yeah. be taking care of your man should you be putting yourself out there and are the children okay and you know mm. really are you being selfish writing a book and taking all this time and you know who do you think you are you know you're just a wow, woman and, yeah. and that I think that comes from somewhere really deep and archetypal mm. um and it just will hit us sometime and and it's just yeah it's really I, I, can, I can totally see that one because I, I was talking to somebody the other day and even my husband mentioned it the you know um from a caveman cavewoman perspective yeah we we were I think it was no it was somebody said something about uh, Aristotle I'm sure it was Aristotle I saw it on Facebook and he used to write quite a lot about women and, and men and basically women back then who so were talking what I don't even know what year Aristotle was it was around hundreds of years hundreds of years ago yeah absolutely um, women were all like referred to as a lesser being oh definitely um, yeah absolutely yeah and I think I tell you who it was I know who it was it's somebody I've had on my show now I've just remembered it was Star Monroe I don't know if you ever met Star her name suits her very very well um, and she's an amazing amazing uh, lady and she was talking about the fact that men wanted to was was, was the strength or of money if you like back then was having a tribe and having yeah. you know having labor labor was children how did you have children that was women and that's how that's where it comes from we're talking hundreds and hundreds yes. of years of society basically putting women on a lesser pedestal um so I can see where that comes from and so then we get messages I'm sure you did and I I did from my grandparents um not so much my mum, but I, I definitely think that she had so many doubts herself that then when I was doing it, she was almost like, what is going on? What is she, what is she up to? <laughs> I was yeah. just such a different energy than what she was used to. She just didn't quite know what to say or do. And, and the same with my, my parent, my dad as, as well. Um, but I can totally see how that, it's almost like that judging. Um, yes. And, and having to look after everybody else and make sure exactly. everyone else is okay before you put your needs first. Yes, and intellectually, you think I don't think that at all. That's not what that's not my beliefs at all. And yet, somehow, from out of the kind of out of the depths of you know, kind of um, um, the past, really comes this sort of this 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 angel coming to us and saying, you know, you're not being the angel. You're not. Mm, you're, that's what you're meant being, to be. That's your role. Being a good girl. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And also, you. Yeah, I mean, just as 
you say, looking after everyone, the, the fourth one is the, the fifth one is, in fact, I called her big sister uh, because um, I'm an eldest daughter and eldest daughters have a habit of thinking they need to be responsible for everybody. But I think that women generally do as well. So it's not just when you're looking after, you know, your family or whoever or at home. It's also when you're at work, you feel responsible for the people you're working with, your employees, your clients, and you, yeah. you need to put them first. And that, you know, that that's also very um, can be quite destructive to when you want to get something done, like a, a book written, you actually actually need to say to people you need to take responsibility you need to step up here and you need to support me for a bit while I'm doing this important piece of work mm. you need to step up and take more responsibility and that can actually be really good for us and really good for other people We're setting the boundaries right and yeah exactly goal vision you're working towards whether that's writing a book or, or, or anything really yeah so, like with me losing like you know trying to get fit um, I've sort of said to my husband, right, I'm using the gym at these times. This is what I need help with. And I generally find um, through the sort of personal development I've done is that if you don't ask, you don't get. And if you don't set, actually say what it is you want. Don't moan yeah. about the problem. Come up with a solution and go to people with actually what yes, you need yes, from them. Exactly. Um, and then set the boundaries accordingly. That so, so you're not looking just looking after everybody else. You are starting to look after yourself too. Yes, yes. And the other, the other, the other um, kind of at home kind of archetype. I called her Cinderella because I think Cinderella always feels that she's stuck at home. She hasn't got enough money to do what she wants to do. She's got too much housework, too much childcare care and it just gets in the way and stops her saying um, I'm going to write my book because I've never got time I've never got the extra money I've, I can't you know I'm kind of um, you know mm. stuck at home I can't go to the networking ball and you know it's never going to work for me and I think that sort of Cinderella mindset of oh poor me I'll never make this work is is also something that women you know can get into the habit of well, yeah, and I, and I, but for some some of them, I, I know myself from experience, personal experience, is that there has been times where it felt so bloody hard to even try, and then yeah. you try and you get everything lined up perfectly. You know, the babysitters turned up on time, or you've made sure your husband's back from work on time. You've got the kids sorted out for dinner on time. You've got them dressed and everything, and you've literally had to organise your whole day to make sure everything's perfectly landed to the timing for you to be able to walk out the door to go to said networking. And one of them's sick. My husband's got caught on a train, not got back on time. And then when this happens over and over and over and over and over again, eventually you're like, why bother? Why bother? And I've had times like that, probably more than five years ago. I've been in business 10 years now. And uh, I had to really dig deep then. I really had to dig deep and stand my ground, if I'm honest, and say, yeah. I'm, I've, I'm, I want more from life than this. And yes. with, something needs to change. Yeah. Yes, no, that's right. And that's, uh, but I think, again, it's about recognizing when this sort of, you know, this archetypal figure comes up and, mm. and, and, and decides to, you know, um, um, kind of invade your mind, if you like, yeah. and take over. And you've just, again, I think just being aware of it, realizing it's something that happens and happens to everybody. Um, yeah. And, and just that you can push back and you can say, no, I'm not going to let this happen. I'm not Cinderella. I will go to the ball. I will make this happen. <laughs> I will my yeah. foot will fit in the glass slipper and it will all be fine my fairy yeah. godmother's out there yes, <laughs> and, and yes. Uh, yeah I, I, li I like the analogy <laughs> <laughs> but 
but then I've got four um, four archetypes that I really love that I think are very specifically um, female archetypes. And the first one I call Miss Moneypenny because I think because we have so much in our lives that we're organising so much to do to keep it all um, on on track is that we have a huge ability to well I mean call it multitasking, but you know to do to keep loads of things balanced to make sure that you know the birthday presents there at the same time as the deadlines being met and the you know all the other things that we have to do so I call Miss Moneypenny the sort of the conscious part I see it as kind of like the front part of your brain where you're conscious she kind of um, she's the she's the sort of secretary who sits in the front of your of your head um, yeah. your day-to-day -day manager she's your critical thinker and she manages your conscious thought processes so um so yeah, a lot of women are really good at that really good yeah at exactly really we have juggling. a very kind of efficient secretarial kind of mm. mindset that is really really useful for helping us get um because you know when you're doing something like writing a book you're kind of doing it alongside uh, unless you can just take off three months and write a book mostly you're doing it in the gaps between other between, parts yeah. of your life and but you have to really keep that on track and make sure you you meet your writing appointments and get what you said you'll do done and all yeah. those sorts of things but I think we're very good at that so Miss Moneypenny is a really important very good female archetype yeah. and then the other side of that I call some well, in my my strange vision of what's in my head I call her the librarian and the librarian is sort of my subconscious and I don't really know what she's doing but my vision of the kind of subconscious part of my brain is like it's this huge TARDIS like room which has filing cabinets and computers and servers and all sorts of things that I don't understand how they work but I know that if I task my librarian with uh, thinking up ideas or making connections or getting information she'll just go away and do it and I can't I can't think about I can't consciously make it happen no. I have to let it go but you know I know that if you kind of train your brain and I think as women we're very good at doing that and you let your your librarian your subconscious spend time doing stuff while you're doing the other ordinary you know quite boring stuff in life your librarian will go away and wander and come back with all sorts of fantastic ideas and information mm. and you know if you if you actually tell yourself you know I need to know I need to come up with a really great title in two days time so I can put it on my um, you know my, my plan or whatever my proposal yeah. mm. and if you just let go and, and allow that to happen it will just pop into your head and you know how you wake up or you know you're in the shower or whatever really it else idea. is and, yeah. and just this brilliant idea comes to you and also I think sometimes processes fall into place you know you're not quite yeah. sure how to write this bit because you've got to do that followed by that followed and you haven't and I got can it totally all. see that I sometimes find if you've tried like I think I mentioned before like if you try and force things I just don't seem to fall yeah. into place where that hasn't happened is when I'm the secretary miss money penny when you're too much on the hamster wheel with her yeah, yeah. and you are so overwhelmed by absolutely everything, yes you can't like the librarian in your example sorceress or spirit whatever you like people have different terminologies yes in, indeed yeah it, she, she there's only so many things you can do at once there's only so much capacity your brain and you, you energetically you can do at once yeah um so definitely you know spreading your energy evenly across your needs of different parts of your life I think is really important and 
you know, setting those boundaries around some of the things that you maybe need to say no to for a period of time. Indeed. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also it's really important sometimes to let go of thinking about things consciously and just saying, I'm not going to think about that because I cannot come up with an answer now. So I'll go and, you know, put the washing on or, you know, do Mm. something quite mundane. So I stop thinking, I consciously stop thinking about it. And that gives your subconscious the time to process and yeah. it will then kind of come back to you with the answer that you couldn't have got on, you know, with your with your conscious brain, if you like. Yeah, not, it's, yeah. um, but and then so and so then my third kind of um, really positive um, uh, uh, archetype is I call her the mentor. And, you know, I, I like to think of myself in that role because I'm a book mentor. You're a you're an investment and finance mentor. And that's that's great. And, and I think you should always um, draw on your expert mentors who are around you, whether that's in your personal life or your business life, but also I think we all have an internal mentor and sometimes we stop listening to them. But actually, Mm. if you really talk to your internal mentor and say, what should I do here? What is, you know, what is the right thing for me? You'll get the answer. And you just sometimes you just have to stop and listen. And um, I, I suppose that's the kind of go with your gut feeling, but you've got to be, you've got to know that the gut feeling is, 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 is really Mm. right for you. Yeah, so it's a little bit like your intuition and just yeah. listen to it. Yeah. And, and yeah, I completely can. I'm quite good at that. That's one of something that I'm into. I, I don't, I'm not conscious of it. I'm not, I'm not aware no. of it. But if somebody asks me a question, I can quite quickly come to it. Whereas some, some clients and people that I know, they tend to go, oh, hang on, let me think about that. I just need to reflect on that. And I think it does depend on yes. like what you're like as a person, how... And it's not you're not like I'm more I'm must say I'm better at it. It's just I'm quicker at it. Do some yeah. people need a little bit more time to reflect? Well, um, yes. Well, I think women do rely on that. They've kind of you know we train ourselves to be intuitive in a way. Um, mm. And and actually the psychology books that I've read and the the, the neuro, neurological kind of um, uh, re- sort of work research now seems to suggest that actually it's better to trust that quick gut feeling and then think about the rationale behind it and whether it's you know why it would work rather than the other way around so you know take your gut feeling first and Mm. and see what that is and then try and work out you know why why that's how you feel I mean obviously sometimes you can get it wrong and you know you there's some kind of bias that you've got um, or you haven't seen all the sides of the the story but I think very often um, you know go with your gut feeling but think about it but you know be be kind of rational about it too and analyze why you're thinking that feeling that really rather than thinking it yeah no I got you is, is that 10 have I lost count no there's one more one more <laughs> <That's nine. laughs> the 10th one is just I just call her the hero because the hero is the one who's overcome all those challenges and has achieved her goal and in you know in this case got her book out and is using her book as a as, as her leverage and building her business using her book as a tool and um uh, and that's you know that's that's just the last one really yeah. so that's where well, you're so heading she could have overcome all of those right yeah <laughs> at, yes. at one, in one day in some yeah, yeah. 
amazing and so when you wrote that book and since you've had I don't know what another three or four years of book, the book years have you seen an increase in women wanting like winning awards for their books and yeah their well absolutely I mean the really great I mean I was so thrilled this year it's the fifth year of the business book awards this year we had 300 entries which was exactly twice as many as we'd had in the first year and the shortlisted this year we shortlisted 116 books and I counted up all the authors and, you know, some of them were, were multi or, you know, were written by two, two people, but whether they were written by two men, two women or one of each, we had exactly 58 women and exactly 58 men shortlisted. So I thought, yeah, I've actually, um, I've actually achieved a complete Much gender better. equality in that, in that shortlist, at least. That's, that's, that's quite spooky, those numbers. Though, yeah, right? I know. That was really weird. I couldn't believe it. I had to count it about three times to, to make sure I wasn't uh, making it up. But um, yeah. yeah, exactly half and half men and women. So, so mm. that's perfect. That's for the shortlist. And then we've got, um, uh, and then we've got the we'll 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 find out the winners on um, Monday at our at our Amazing. event. <laughs> well, I hope maybe one day I'll put my book forward. Um, I, don't, I don't know. It was published last year, so I'm not sure if you can do that. Yeah, like... no, it's such a shame. No, you've you've missed I've the missed year it. that you should have entered I it. Only but... Last year, never mind. I know. Yeah, but it just never shows mind. you'll have to write another one at some point, Rebecca. Oh, oh look, <laughs> I'm not sure about that, Lucy. I'll 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 park that one for now. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure what, what I'd write about it, but there's been so much into the first one. Um, I'm, yeah, I, you never know. Maybe I'll do something. No, suddenly different. something will pop into your head and it might be something quite different to what you're. Yeah, maybe something about horses or teenagers. Yes, maybe. You never yeah, know. Indeed, you never, yeah. You never know. Um, so I'd love to hear just before we shoot off today um, a little bit about why you think writing a book um, is important to business owners and what maybe one or two things that people miss when it comes to you know I'm an Amazon bestseller yeah which is great it's lovely to have that on my title um which is a lot of authors just aim to do it just to have that tick in a box and I was one of the you know, I've done a TEDx talk I've won multiple awards but I did all those things for imposter syndrome reasons because it was not to prove to others that I was good enough it was to prove to myself yeah I was good enough so now I don't have that same sort of drive to do some lots of that stuff anymore if it happens it happens and I sort of put it out there as a bit of a vision every now and again and if it happens great if it doesn't it doesn't um but writing a book there are you know be business benefits to having a book as, as, an, as an asset so that yeah. you know, which is a wealth wealth all about wealth so what kind of asset do you think writing a book does for people? Well, I think there are four key things that you get from writing a book. The first one is literally to do with the planning and the writing. Um, and I think that gives you incredible clarity about your business and what you do and how you do it. And it gives you amazing confidence because when you write, you know, 40,000 words about you and your business and your clients and the process you take people through, your models, whatever you have in your book, it just goes into that archive of your mind. So you just know it. So whenever you're speaking, whenever you're um, coaching or mentoring, whenever you're um, pitching, you know exactly what to say. The words are all there. You've written them down and you can repurpose them for any occasion or any event. Mm, and so yeah. you're better at, you know, you're, you're better at 
pitching your business and you have better clarity about your business. And some people I know when they're writing their book, they actually they actually um, pivot their business because they suddenly realize they could be doing something much more interesting or better or in a different way that will make it everything sort of stronger. Mm. So that's the first thing. And that's sort of almost a piece of self-development that you get yeah. from writing. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would definitely agree with that. Um, yeah. When I wrote my book, it, it, I pulled out loads of different systems and processes. and things Yeah, exactly. Doing, and I put it in a sort of it's 10 ways to accelerate your wealth. And I threaded through the, the chapters, exercises for people to go away and do. And at the moment, um, I have two two elements two freebies that are out there at the moment where I'm using the content of the book yeah. as freebies in my marketing um and then they you know they can go and buy the book afterwards or you know I'm collecting email addresses and it's a great way to carry on adding value so I send yeah. out sessions I've got their email address so I send them a session about my podcast and it, yeah so I'm using repurposing that content exactly I mean it's just a brilliant way to to collect all your IP together um in one in one place and then as you say repurpose it in many many other ways I think the second thing that is 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 absolutely key to writing a book is once you've written a book you are seen as the authority in your field even when you're still writing it and say you have a cover design and you put that out there and you say I'm writing my book it's coming out you know in whenever people will suddenly see you differently they see you as the authority and the expert in a completely different way I completely agree and I never understood it I never understood it as soon as I said I was writing a book everyone was like oh my god that's amazing there's something society in our society about writing a book that people just love yes Um, exactly and, then, and it's yeah, because, book, you know, we kind launch, of possibly live in an entrepreneurial world where lots of people seem to be writing their book, but actually it's still a very tiny percentage. And, yeah. you know, so it's still a very special thing to do. And it is, you know, it is a big task and it is an, a, mm. it, it does take work and, and, and focus. And so there's that. And then when your book's distributed, it really makes you more influential because, you know, your book goes out and it's on all the Amazons all around the world. Uh, you know, it depends how you distribute it. You send your book out yourself to loads of people and you just get your influence just goes out there and sort of spreads itself around and, and, and you meet people through your book that you would never have met um if it had just been you going out there and marketing to people business card without you know without just being chucked in a drawer hopefully yeah exactly nobody ever throws away a book or at least I hope they don't (laughs) no 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 at all and actually I've got one of my core partners um that I've worked with I've been through their programs and I love what they do they're called one of many they contacted me a couple of months they had a big event last weekend they're one of a conference they run every year and they had 50 VIPs and they asked me to gift 50 of my books Fantastic. to go in those VIPs yeah. because I get them cheaper I can pop I can basically go onto Amazon get them for a third of the price of what you can buy them for sorry exactly people. as the author I am allowed to do that and obviously I forget any royalties or any benefits and it was literally I've got an Amazon Prime account and I'm not an Amazon fan because of their you know but anyway they're handy to have sometimes and they actually posted it directly to the office that was dealing with it and it was quite Fantastic. short notice and they had yeah. over, they had 58 books in the end 
Brilliant. to put in these VIP bags and they went down a storm. Yes, so, yes you know, exactly. People and love it, getting books. They're because they're not precisely because they're not a marketing brochure and they're not a business card um, and they're not a pitch. They are a piece of really solid value in their own right. They have a price tag and mm. you don't in your book, you're not, you know, kind of overtly salesy. But I always call it your undercover sales agent because it sells mm. you better than any other, you know, kind mm. of obvious marketing tool. So, yeah. um, you know, There's the, the third thing. That- Sorry, go on. No, I was going to say. Oh, I was just going to say the third thing I think is this is is really key to having to writing a book is that you get your prospects and clients. You just grow your business. You get your book out there, and it's extraordinary how it magnetizes people to come back to you and work with you. I mean, I think writing a book, a business book, is not about writing a bestseller and getting loads of sales on Amazon or wherever. No. That's not going to. That's a, a small little income stream. Lovely if you sell loads, but that's not mm. the point. But you get Get one book into the hands of the right client and you've made thousands and yeah. you know depending on what your business is it might be hundreds but it's you know it's that's the way you get the return on yeah, your investment I totally in agree. Um, there's a lady called Nicola Rowley who I use for PR and stuff Nicola's lovely and she's just had an Amazon bestseller done all that yeah. Um, and she's just put it back out for free using Kindle. So not 99p, which is one yeah. of the promotional techniques, but actually for free. And I'm assuming she's collecting email addresses. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm guessing, but I'm, I'm not sure, but possibly not. She might just be putting it out there for free. Um, and she just, I just heard she, like she's made in four days, 150 sales. Yeah. But it's not cost her anything. No, 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 exactly. I mean, okay, she just, hasn't made yeah. 99p per one. So by the time she gets a cut of that, what she would have made, not, not an awful lot. So no, but why not? Know, she'll just have, you know, she'll have lots of goodwill. She'll have clients coming back to her that way. It'll be, and, and the fourth thing is, if you want to become more visible yourself, if you want to um, speak, if you want to go on podcasts, if you want to, if you want the media to contact you or you to contact the media, your book is the way in. Um, I mean, Amazon's a wonderful search engine if, you know, given all the other problems with it. But, you know, it only works if you've got a book on Amazon. So, um, you know, but people go there looking for experts because obviously if you're an expert, you'll have written a book. Yeah, (laughs) right. And, you know, if you want to be a speaker, well, you really need to have a book behind you to say, Mm. yes, I am the expert in this field of speaking. So, yeah, you should have me. Here's my book. Sure. so when um, bringing things back to the archetypes and achieving goals kind of conversation, obviously we've, we've talked about it in a couple of different contexts, investing, losing weight, getting fit and writing the book. Um, but so but for anyone that's listening, um, have a think about maybe what archetypes are coming up for you, for any of your visions or goals that you're thinking about achieving at the moment. And what could be holding you back in terms of one of those archetypes? What things could you be doing to shift things over to the next level? Do you need to create some more space? Do you need to set some boundaries? Do you need to put, have the, more of the right people around you, um, et cetera, et cetera. So I hope you found today really interesting. I've loved talking to you, Lucy, and hearing more about what you do. Um, so thank you for sharing all of that with us. And obviously there's going to be links in the blog if you're listening through our website or if you're on iTunes or Spotify or wherever, you'll see links in the bio section um, to Lucy and her businesses. Um, So you can go and connect on her with LinkedIn and I think I've got Facebook, uh, the main ones for you. And your business is rethinkpress.com. That's right, yes. You can go and check that out and have a look at her website. Any lasting thoughts or suggestions or anything from you, Lucy? 
Uh, well, I think just, you know, particularly if you're a woman, a woman, beware of these archetypes coming to coming to to um, derail you from your goals. But if you're aware of them, you'll be able to push back against them and use Miss Moneypenny and your librarian and your mentor to really keep you on track and and keep you doing what you do. Um, my last thing is, if you haven't done it already, write your book. It will be wonderful for you. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us today, Lucy. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks, Rebecca. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Accelerate Your Wealth. For further help or to connect with Rebecca directly, please head over to the website www.rebeccarobertson.co.uk where you can find further information on our planner, book and how to further maximise your wealth. For any regulated advice, please do head over to www.evolutionfinancialplanning.co.uk.